live and streaming on the web since 1996. This is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. This is Talking Soundtracks with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Hello again, my name is Jason Drury and welcome once again to Talking Soundtracks on the Cinematic Sound Radio Podcast. In 2019, I had the great pleasure of talking to composer and classically trained pianist Juliet Merchant about her career to that point and the problems she had encountered pitching for assignments as a woman in the composing industry. At the end of 2021, Juliet reached out again to the Cinematic Sound Radio podcast, wanting to talk to us about her latest project, working for Kino Classica to create new and innovative new scores for traditional silent Russian films. For Talking Soundtracks via Zoom from a home in London in February 2022, we talked about her work on these films and how she feels the climate has changed for a woman film composer since our last conversation. And during the show, we'll be hearing samples of her work from these silent films. Juliet Merchant, welcome back to Talking Soundtracks. I'm so happy to be back. Uh, it's so lovely to speak to you again. Now, we talked in 2019, and that interview is on the Cinematic Sound Radio website, and the link to it is on the screen on, on the webpage. Tell us about how your musical career has developed since we last talked in 2019. So, uh, I suppose when we last spoke, we were talking about Natalia Osipova, the documentary I did um, about her with Jerry Fox. And that sort of, I suppose, has started everything. Um, since then, I've been working with Dino Classica and we've done five silent films that have been either shown online or shown in cinemas. And one sort of little side thing that's been really fun is we've been doing live shows as well. So I've been performing the score live and I've been doing that around the country in different venues. And we have the film on the big screen and I'm playing and it's very much like back in the olden days with silent films where there would be a pianist actually there sort of improvising. Although I'm not improvising because, you know, I actually composed everything for it. But on the side, I've also been really pursuing improving my skill on piano. And I've been doing diplomas um, with the hopes of doing masters in America in the future. And I'm sort of going to be breaking into more mainstream cinema next year. Details I cannot say right now, but uh, I'm quite excited for it. I've been speaking to a producer who did quite a big film last year. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I've been doing a lot with Kino Classica. We've been doing live shows. I've been pursuing more, sort of just improving my skill. And yeah, the new film in 2023. So, <laughs> Excellent, excellent. Now you've said you started scoring these Russian silent films. How did that all come about? And have you always had an interest in silent films? 
So I first got introduced to, well, especially Russian silent films in school and in university when I was practicing Russian, quite literally. I studied Russian at university. And this, of course, meant that I went abroad for a year and I met all the other people in England who also studied Russian. And funnily enough, it is quite a small group. So we already got to know each other. And one of these people actually was working in film at the time and he knew me and he knew I did composition. And he was like, oh, why don't you come and and work with Jerry Fox? So that's how that all sort of happened. We've got quite a small Russian circle. It's quite bizarre that I would get into music through studying Russian, but here we are. And yes, the silent film sort of more came through that. So I was introduced to them when I was young, but now I really know them, well, at least the ones I worked on pretty well. <laughs> did these films already had a score composed for them? If so, did you listen to them? Or, or did you start composing with a clean slate and just told, give us your interpretation? So yeah, all of the five films that I've composed had a pre-made soundtrack. And they were actually from really important Russian classical composers from the Romantic era, uh, such as Scriabin and Stravinsky and Glazunov. However, they didn't write the soundtrack for the film. They used pieces of music and sort of tied them in. But the problem with that is that it wasn't sort of engineered towards the visuals. And what I really took from it, because the music that was already there was beautiful, but it just didn't suit what was being shown. And actually I found it quite confusing to watch because the emotions of the music didn't really match the visuals. So I did listen to it. I saw what I didn't like. I also saw what I did like, and I tried to sort of maneuver in that way. I made emotion the main point of inspiration of this piece, if that makes sense. Do you have a set process on working on these films? Uh, yes, I do. Because writing for a feature film is such a huge project. It is sort of a very intense time because you usually don't have that much time. It's usually sort of between maybe six to eight weeks, absolute maximum 12 weeks. So personally, my process is to go and sit in the shed in my garden and I lock the door. <laughs> I close the curtains and I just sort of stay in there until it's done. But what I do, my process is, I watch the film just once and I kind of gather all the information that I need. I see the original soundtrack, I see what works, I see what doesn't. And then I watch it a second time and I break it down into tiny little scenes. So these would range probably to maximum about five minutes each time. Otherwise, you're not gonna have very good structure or you're sort of gonna get lost, sort of just improvising eternally <laughs> throughout the, the piece and, and you want something sharp and snappy and really structured to the moment. So what I do then, I, I make little descriptions of what I should be doing. And, and within that, I can be quite creative on, on my own terms. The process is quite a hard question to, uh, to answer because I have a feeling and I know what's going on in my head. I'm sure there's so many sort of psychological and neurological evaluations you can do with that. But really, I think with sort of all the, the music like theoretical musical knowledge I have, it just sort of happens. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I could give you more of a detailed answer, but that's sort of the process, I suppose. And then I, I painstakingly go over it and over it and over it until it's exactly where I want to. How do you decide which instruments would you use for each score? Because I do notice the two scores you sent down to us currently 
have obviously completely different contrast in its orchestration? Well, I suppose, for example, with Alita, I saw it's a sci-fi film and I really wanted to bring back sort of sci-fi 70s soundtracks. So lots of synthesizers and weird um, polyphony and polyrhythms and everything all over the place. Actually, my bit of fun that I had with this piece is that there is actual Morse code in <laughs> the piece and it says humanity is evil. If anybody knows Morse code, uh, maybe they can figure that out. But it's just sort of my little joke that I have on the side. Um, but no, when I think about instruments, I actually think in textures, I think is the best way I can describe it. It's sort of visually in my head. For example, like I would want a round, smooth sound or more of sort of a crunchy, sparkly sound. And that's how I describe the instrument that I want. And then really, I just experiment with different instruments that I have in my sample library and just sort of see what fits. And I'm like, okay, that's good. Because you can manipulate instruments in so many different ways that a lot of instruments can do what you want to do. But there's also sort of vocal ranges on each one so that you have to take in that limitation as well. a bit more about Alita, Queen of Mars, because that's the first one I had to listen to, and it's a very interesting and very enjoyable score. First of all, tell us about the film itself, and also tell us also any more details of how you scored this film. If anybody can listen to it, it's a, it's a really fascinating listen. And for a score, which is a continuous work of one hour, 20 minutes, it really still grabs you and really wants you to keep listening to it. 
it was that intriguing. So tell us more about this this film, Alita, Queen of Mars. Yeah, no. Uh, so I agree. Alita is a very visually inspiring film. And actually what really inspired me was the uh, set design and the costumes. And if you think back to the time, they've done incredible work there. It's, it's just fascinating and beautiful at the same time. But my, my first take on it was actually that it's, of course, sort of artificially, it's a love story. You know, he's pursuing the Queen of Mars, and but he has his wife who's cheating on him and all of these things. But actually, I think it's quite a, a sad film, I would say. I think it's about poverty, actually. I think Loss, the main character, gets taken away in his imagination because he can see the inequalities and injustice of that society. There is a shot of Loss's wife. She looks at this old woman and she has very, very bad shoes. And she's thinking like, how is this possible? And then it contrasts to another scene of what I call the bad guys and they're all luxurious in their fancy homes and, and, and everything like this. And of course, Elita on Mars very much represents communism gone wrong. They uh, free the workers from the elite. But then, of course, Alita turns bad and she rebels against them and she turns them all. Sorry for the spoilers. Um, so I actually thought it was like a very emotional film. It was very touching and moving and quite sad. And that's what I really wanted to put into it, because a lot of silent films are more upbeat and more cheery this was the first time I really got my sort of claws into okay let's let's try and <laughs> make people really think and feel about this piece but yeah that's sort of my take on it and what I tried to put into the piece um, I actually used over I think it was about 70 different synthesizers I got quite excited by the amount of variety that you can use. When, when you're just doing electronic music, there's sort of unlimited amount of textures and sounds that you can use. So I just sort of went ahead with that and uh, <laughs> I, I had a lot of fun. But yeah, sort of when, when I'm starting a piece, what I do is I'm just on my piano and I just try and find a little motif and you work from that. You go, you know, you just sort of play around a bit and you go, oh, that sounds a bit nice. And then, okay, I'll just play that a little bit again. I'll put a, put a little bit, bit of, sparkle up the top there and put some nice uh, sort of harmonics down there to accompany it or maybe I'll put another melody underneath that imitates it these kind of things but it was very much based on more neoclassical musical theory in terms of the rhythms and the harmonies there's a lot of dissonance there which I put in intentionally some of it doesn't sound very nice and I quite like that personally because I think there's throughout the piece quite a lot of pushing anxiety. There's just this constant sort of beat and motion going forward at all times because he's traveling to Mars. What I also wanted to incorporate is this very fast moving society. It's much more of a modern society. I spent a lot of time in the Russian countryside and I suppose that influenced me as well because it's very slow and peaceful. Whereas in the city, there's workers, there's people moving at an incredible speed. So I wanted to incorporate that as well.
has a feel of Metropolis in some ways, I felt as well. I did notice, notice some, some pictures of it. It did a very, considering it's 19, is it 19, what year was it made? 1924, wasn't it? Elita was in 1924, yes. This is 98 years ago. The production design for a film of 1924 was astounding, I thought. It was looking, looking at the pictures and you say you, you, were, you had 70 synthesizers. Where did you acquire these? Oh no, it's all very much at home. Uh, so it's software and an important part of being a composer is that you sort of collect samples and instruments and different interesting sounds that you can use and play with and have fun with. So very much all in my shed. And it's, it's actually interesting because I think the role changes in that way, because if you just take an orchestra and give them the score, it's going to sound beautiful. But actually, so I work with the East West Sample Library and it's pretty much the best sample library out there. It takes so much of like audio engineering to create an authentic sound. If you're just using it in a raw file, you have to put reverb on it, you have to make sure it's mixed and mastered very well. It's like another job completely on top and in comparison to just giving somebody a score. Let's talk about the other film you sent down to me, the, the music for Mr. West, which has a completely different soundscape too, Alita. Tell us about how you went about scoring that film. I actually wrote Mr. West immediately after Alita. So I wrote them back to back and it was a very intense time of uh, work, but very good fun. And I had to very much change my mindset 180 degrees from sad sci-fi to a uh, more cheery cowboy. <laughs> Western uh, style, which was good fun. And actually, like a little personal story, I took some inspiration. I used to watch cowboy films with my grandma on her sofa when I was young. So <laughs> I brought back these memories and they're happy memories. So it's all good. With Mr. West, I used much more traditional harmony and much more consonants rather than dissonance. Things are mainly in major keys and I use sort of blue scale inserts and just general other quirky additions, but nothing too crazy so it sounds recognizable in terms of the music we've heard before you see what I mean I actually took a little bit of inspiration from actual horses hooves because he does a lot of riding around on horses I used to ride a horse when I was younger and I always remembered that they go and it's it's a triplet rhythm oh yeah yes I noticed that in the yes yes that that this ongoing rhythm goes throughout the school this yes very much horse themed 
yeah, and it, it's it's a very fast score. I, I really wanted to liven the audience up and make it exciting, thrilling, lots of tension there. And it goes from speedy presto rhythms to suddenly more of a lago rhythm, something quiet and more sinister when the bad guys come in. And there's a little motif there that might keep coming back through all of the characters' rhythms. I like to write a motif for each character. And sometimes if they're both on set, I'll blend them together in polyphony. Or I'll bring it back when they might be creeping in the corner. Or I, I really like to focus on characters because I think you get to know them much better with um, with a theme tune. Oh, and final thing. My final sort of musical selection, I suppose, was I did a lot of chromatic motifs and this generally creates a bad guy kind of theme. Lots of staccato on the violins and then very contrasting legato melodies that sort of clash, but in hopefully a good way.
Talking soundtracks will return shortly. You're listening to the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. It's Talking Soundtracks with Jason Jury. You play all the instruments, done all the synthesizers. Do you have any input for any other person while you're composing, like the people who are producing the restorations? If it's that case, if they just leave it to you to do your thing. I feel very lucky because I get a lot of freedom with this. They kind of lead me to it and... I like that. I'm not going to lie. It's quite nice. <laughs> just I can get into my own zone and my own world and just really go for it. But of course, I send it to Kino Classica to make sh- sure that it's okay, to make sure the length is okay. Generally, my manager, Justine Waddle, she looks through it and she checks because there's emphasis points to make sure they line up or maybe she wants a different emphasis in somewhere. So it's usually sort of a few tweaks, but generally the main process is just me. Um, sometimes I might ask people personal to me if they're into music or they enjoy my music maybe I'll send them a little snippet see what they think if they go "Mm, that's sounding a bit odd maybe I'll take that into consideration Um, but generally uh, yeah I suppose I'm a bit of a lone wolf in in that regard Thank you. 
how many silent films have you scored to date? Have you scored any other films apart from the ones you're doing at the moment? Is there any more you'll be doing in the future? Yeah, so um, so the other three that I did is The Girl with the Hatbox, Love Berries, and A Life for a Life. However, the premiere of Elita, we did a Q&A afterwards, and I met somebody from Southwest Silence down in Bristol. And we are thinking about collaborating on Salon by Charles Bryant for 2023 as well, which could be quite exciting. And I'm, I'm already thinking now how I'm going to do the soundtrack to one of the first beautiful French art films and gosh I have a few ideas running. (laughs) Which was the most difficult of of the scores you've done so far? Which one took the longest for you to compose and and finish? That's a good question because I suppose each one had a different difficulty. Elita and Mr West were the longest um, at about an hour and a half each Um, but some styles are find easier than others or uh, some of the soundtracks that I did required more instrumentation so they have their different challenges. I would say the easiest was definitely a life for a life because it's just piano and I just had some fun improvising. It took the shortest amount of time and I mean piano is my native instrument so I'm very very comfortable on it but the most difficult I'm going to interpret difficult as complex Probably a liter, just because of the sheer amount of instruments used, all put together in different rhythms, different melodies, sort of bringing all 70 instruments together. But, but they are individual instruments and all with their unique traits and sounds. And I think after about two months of doing usually about 12 hour days, sometimes more. I like to think that the kind of finale of a music really goes with my mindset at the time. Let's put it that way. <laughs> more extreme, more extravagant, kind of crazy putting everything together. <laughs> Just, uh, it's, it's good fun. <laughs>
Now, we talked in 2019 about the treatment of women in the film music industry. Do you feel that it has improved to be a woman composer in this industry, particularly now as a woman has now recently won a Best Original Score Oscar? I think it was wonderful that um, a woman won the Oscar. It's, it's beautiful. Hilda Guthnadjati won the Joker a couple of years ago. And I, I did a little bit of research on it and I just found it interesting how the time before that, that a woman won an Oscar for like the best original score was Anne Dudley in The Full Monty in 1997 and then Rachel Portman for Emma in 1996. So, you know, the 90s, great time <laughs> but then how has like 20 years gone by I like to focus on the positive and this is why I really love your work because you're very much advocating and promoting um, all sorts of different female composers and I really think this is the best way that we can really well you know gain equality in this industry as well I mean there's there's the other side and we need to understand why there aren't so many female composers which we sort of discussed last time so I feel like we're coming you know full circle and doing everything that we can. I hope things are getting better. My hopes are on society changing in general. Even from when I was in school, when I was really young, society was not the way it is today. And so many things are changing and they're striving for women to be safer, to be more equal, to have better positions in society. I think this is wonderful. And sort of incorporating people from all types of different backgrounds as well. I'm seeing that a lot more. I'm seeing a lot more from different uh, musicians from different ethnicities, different sort of backgrounds, just in general, different religions, lots from the queer community, I will say. I think it's just wonderful. And in a way, we're allowing everybody to contribute to such an important thing, which is music. So yes, my fingers are crossed. I'm sure everything, uh, well, I know everything is not as good as it could be. Has any scores stood out for you in the last few years which you think has helped in the cause of women composers getting more equality in the industry? There is a composer called Uematsu, and she is a computer games composer who I take much inspiration by. She has done things like Final Fantasy, she's done Diablo 3, Starcraft 2, World of Warcraft. Um, she is so cool and she does the instrumentation or she writes the melodies or she's very much there for the compositional process in itself. And I would love to write for computer games one day. I think I think that would be great. I, I love the crowd behind computer games. They're such music and soundtrack enthusiasts. So yeah, I take inspiration from her because I know those soundtracks so well and it would be very cool to be part of them one day after you work on the silent films would you see your career developing in the future from this point so i've done tv now and i'm doing silent film now and in the future i would love to move into mainstream films which is currently my plan and i think i mentioned before i um, lined up to do a feature in 2023 that will be a mainstream film i can't say the details yet but it's exciting and of course i'm still continuing silent film i'm doing salon by charles bryan southwest silence and yeah things will be going from there i'm hoping to do a master's in america in the coming years we will see like you know if work permits and everything so this is my goal these are my plans at the moment i would also love to learn the accordion better i'm not sure if that's relevant <laughs> but that, that, that that's a life goal <laughs> 
Well, if everyone has to have a live go and you want to do a new accordion, <laughs> by all means, do so. And so your next film score will have accordion in it. I know oh, you've, you've, you've learned accordion very well. <laughs> that would be great. That, 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 that would be great, yes. Well, Juliet Merchant, yet again, it's been a pleasure to talk to you on Talking Soundtracks. And thank you very much for joining us and every success in your silent films and your career in the future. Thank you so much for having me. And it's been such a pleasure to speak with you again as well. And thank you for your shows and all of your wonderful work and for inspiring people with so many different soundtracks that we might not have even known about. So thank you. And that's in the interview and your father's in the post. <laughs> <laughs> I do hope you have enjoyed this latest edition of Talking Soundtracks on the Sympathetic Sound Radio Podcast. And if you want to see these films featuring the music of Juliet Merchant, please go to our website at www.julietmerchantmusic.com. The link will be on the webpage on the show's website at cinematicsound.net. The theme for Talking Soundtracks was composed by Derek Cassina. Now the play is out. We have more music that Juliet Merchant has expertly composed for these archival silent films. This is music from a score from a life for a life. My thanks for Juliet Merchant for joining us once again on the Cinematic Sound Radio podcast. And I am sure this will not be the last we hear from her on this station. So, until we meet again on the Cinematic Sound Radio podcast, for me, Jason Drury, is take care and happy listening.
Thank you for listening to the Cinematic Sound Radio Podcast. I want to thank Tim Burton for providing his voice for all the bumpers you hear throughout the program, and to David Casina for providing Cinematic Sound Radio's theme music. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And wherever you're listening to us today, please take a moment right now to leave us a rating and a review of the podcast. You can get a Cinematic Sound Radio t-shirt at our Tee Public store. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash cinematic sound radio. And don't forget to check us out on the web at cinematicsound.net.